You're listening to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast, where we read them so you don't have to. Like the show? Become a patron at patreon.com forward slash nygbc. You should write a book, Fry. People need to know about the can eat more. getting this book on UFOs. Did you know they're real? But there's a huge comic conspiracy to cover it up. Oh, that's just a paranoid fantasy. I want to be a book that you can pick me up, flip through my pages, make sure nobody drew wieners in me. Welcome to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club Podcast, where we read them so you don't have to, because every morning we wake up to the radio playing I Got You Babe. <laughs> my name is Kevin, and I'm joined as always by my co-host Benedict, author of the forthcoming book, How to Establish a Colonial Empire for Dummies. Benedict, when's the last time you had a really good, nice, juicy pear? A pear, wow. I thought you were yeah. going to go with burger, and I was like, well, let me no. tell you. And you're like, no, pear. Um, uh, I'm on a fruit kick. I'm Probably, on a fruit thing. I, I see at the moment I'm on peaches and nectarines. Oh, that's yeah. my are, both that's good my choices. vibe. Um, but yeah, I'm a I fan th- of those disc peaches. You oh know, yeah, those are weird. About? What are they, they called? They seem to they me have, like, a to be name. more. I don't know. I don't remember the name of them, but they seem to me to be more consistently juicy and ripen a little bit quicker. Plus, I live above a Whole Foods, so they uh, have. Okay, one. that's very gentrifying of you um so i like the i like the white nectarines those are the ones that Mm -hmm. that's my favorite rather than than peaches i am a big fan of the white nectarines that's my favorite a pear though i think it's probably been more than a year since i had a pear but a good pear that's the thing i don't think you ever get good pears Uh, i have always been let down by pears unless they come out of a can they're never they're never what i want them to be because i always have an idea of what i think Mm -hmm. a pear is and then it's like this is disappointing and it's so always wait are i don't remember them being stringy yeah, the thing for me is they're grainy always, they're never yeah grainy that's what they're grainy and that i always want them to be like a little crunchy you know like an apple mm-hmm. is like i like the flavor and you just want it like a little crunch and then nice and juicy but then no it's always like a little a little soft it's just soft you know when i, I yeah. feel like it shouldn't be anyway pro tip substitute pear jelly beans hits the spot perfectly okay. All right. Do you not remember pear jelly beans? I don't know that I've ever had the pleasure. You never had what? You you not remember the Bernie Bots every flavor beans? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, those were great. Loved those. Apart, yeah. You try and figure out which ones were the gross ones, then yeah. you give them all to your friends. Yeah, oh, it was always fun. Yeah, always fun. They had vomit flavored ones. In there, <laughs> yes, they did. Yeah. Which I think was just like slightly acidic flavor. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it was like pineapple or something. They're like this tastes yeah, close so, to like vomit. pineapple and acid mixed together. <laughs> Yeah. Ah, well, Benedict, do you have any hot takes for us this week? Ooh, hot takes. Um, I always forget we're doing this. That's yes, I know. Even though it is now in <laughs> the outline and bolded. It is. Yeah, I can see that now. I can. I just. It didn't have any sub subheadings uh-huh. in the outline, so uh-huh. I didn't. Fine. Um, I'll put in some some subheadings for it. Here we go. Benedict, do this. Okay. Yeah, that's a good. That okay, is now Kevin, in the outline, so okay. you do not forget in the there future. There you go. There you go. Uh, my hot take. 
is plants really improve your life when you're stuck in a pandemic apartment Ooh. that's my my hot take it really adds purpose to your life harder than a jar of mayonnaise there you uh, go. <laughs> what about you what, let, let's let's uh, have a kevin hot take i see I, as i come prepared i do have one um is that red delicious apples are only Ooh. one of those and they're not even all that red <laughs> yeah what about golden delicious I, I don't know if I've ever had a golden delicious. See, I'm on a fruit kick recently, uh-huh. right? What's your I'm trying, to, I'm trying to lose all my quarantine weight. So I'm eating a lot of fruit. I've got three bags of cherries in the fridge. Cherries are good. Because they were cherries on sale. Cherries might be my favorite Oh, fruit. I love cherries. Love cherries. They were on sale, and I know I can eat five pounds of cherries in a week. I know yeah. I can do that. That's They're not expensive, though. They're expensive. They are, but they were They're a buck like... 99 with a coupon oh, wow. I got out of the Sunday paper. Buck 99 okay. a pound. There so you it go. all worked out. Yeah. I love cherries. What's, okay, so what's your favorite apple? My favorite apple, I have to say, is probably the Fuji. The Fuji. Love okay. a nice big, like not the ones you get in the bag that's, you know, like three pounds of apples and they're all kind yeah, of small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you go get one of those nice fist-sized Fuji apples. Okay. Really, really okay. hits the spot. Okay. Makes me feel, makes me feel like, uh, you know, eating your apple slices at home yeah. in the summer. I love that food. Nice and crisp. A little bit tart. Everything an apple should be. So I have two. Thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite apple to eat is the Granny Smith. I'm a big fan of the Granny, the Granny Smith apple. Yeah, Those are that. only good for apple pie. No, no, they're great. I love them. They're oh. like a little sour. It's great. Too and then for, for apple cider, I'm a big fan of the Snapdragon apple. Uh, not familiar. Sounds it's vaguely good. racist. But no, sure. it's it makes good. sense for you. Makes it's sense good. for you. All right. All right. I'll take your word on those apples. Maybe I'll run down to the store and uh, get me some apple tastings later. Yeah, today. you should. All right. I'll next week on this, <laughs> this next podcast. Next week on uh, Not Your Grandma's There's Apple Club. Uh, Benedict, now that we got that out of the way, what's on your bookshelf? On my bookshelf. Actually, not on my bookshelf. He says reaching away. Within, within not reach. Not speaking into the microphone. I know. I'm sorry. The Color of Law by Richard Rothstein. Which and the subtitle is a forgotten history of how our government segregated America. <laughs> so this is a fun somewhat read. appropriate for this week. Yeah, fun, a chapter. fun summer read. Yeah, a fun <laughs> summer read. Um, so yeah, I, I haven't got very far with it yet, but that is my next on my bookshelf. Uh, I'm I'm between books at the moment, so that that will be next for me. Excellent. What about you? Uh, for you me, it, I. It seems I have... like it would be your vibe. I actually have a, a fun book this week. I, you know, I occasionally like to do non-books, just to make fun of you. Uh, but this week, I have an actual book. It is Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency by Douglas Adams. Okay. Uh, writer of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, one of my favorite books of my childhood. Not Douglas K. Adams. Or is that the same person? I don't know if that's his middle initial. Let me look behind me. Uh, nope. Spine just says Douglas Adams. I don't know. Does okay. his, is his middle initial K? I don't know. Or is there someone like you're mixing Douglas him up Douglas K. Adams. Maybe, am I getting confused let me look it up carry on anyway i don't know you're probably wrong but uh, i actually just recently finished this book uh which is strange because i you know the bbc did a mini series on it uh a while or maybe an ongoing series a while ago that i watched and of course i read hitchhiker's guide as a kid and like a year ago i bought this book i bought dirk gently's and i read like 90 percent of it and then i like got onto other things i put it on my bookshelf i forgot about it and the other day like literally two days ago, was looking at my bookshelf and realized that I had a folded over page at like 20 pages from the end where I had stopped and never oh, finished no. the book. Why wouldn't you finish the book? So I picked it up. I did. I picked it up. I read it in the bathtub. It was fantastic. Uh, it was a little bit uh, um, 
little bit of a letdown, the ending, I could say. Because, uh, you know, you, you expect something different if you watch the TV show and if you know um, a lot of Douglas Adams from reading all of Hitchhiker's Guide eight times or however many I've read it. Um, but, but still, it's a good book. It's a great book. It's entertaining. It's a short read. It's not all that long. You want some, some Douglas Adams in your life, but you don't want to read the 3,000-page Hitchhiker's Guide uh, series. Go check out Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds good. Did we get an answer on Douglas K. Adams? Yeah, I was just confusing him. Okay, good. Like, I good. think Douglas K. Murray is the person <laughs> I was confusing him with, which is a bad person to be confused with. Yes, yes, you're right. Douglas Murray is a bad person to be confusing him with. Yep. <laughs> Although, Douglas again, Adams is far the superior again, Douglas. Very yeah. apropos of this week's chapter. Yeah. Uh, so, before we get on uh, this week, we have a couple of housekeeping items. First off, I want to welcome our newest patrons, who I honestly can't remember if I welcomed on last week, last episode. I think uh, you did, but we got another new one since then. We did, but I also can't remember if I just did that on the patron-only episode or on the regular show, and I'm not going to go back to listen to it all. So I do want to welcome our three newest patrons, Danielle, Glaurung the Deceiver, and Diogenes the Cynic was right. Thank you for joining as our patrons. About what? What was Diogenes <laughs> right about? I think he had a lot of opinions. Uh, maybe we'll find out. You can tell us on the Patreon page. Is he the one? He's the one that used to practice speeches by stuffing his mouth full of pebbles, I think. I don't yelling, know. I don't know that story. No. I think so. <laughs> That'd be fun. Yeah. Uh, second, uh, we had a little idea. So this happened over on the Patreon-only feed uh, the other day. We did uh, our Patreon-only bonus episode for the month, which you can still check out there, uh, where we talked about the fantastic... Uh, graphic novel Watchmen. But we also did a little reading there of a uh, Sunday oh, edition of the Washington no. Post opinion <laughs> column by George Will, which was was very fun. And the thought that that led me to was, eventually we're going to run out of old book reviews to run in between new weeks, where we have a, a chapter of the newest book we're doing. But I would like to keep us on uh, uh, every week, you know, schedule. And, and someday, possibly, we get enough patrons to make it, you know, worth it not that we don't enjoy doing the show even if we didn't have patrons we might go back to doing a brand new whole episode with a new chapter every week but until then i had the idea uh that perhaps we do shorter episodes in between during our off weeks of brand new books where we read opinion pieces from all over the interwebs and the newspapers because there are no shortage of bad takes out there from yeah. the federalist or any number of newspapers with their conservative commentators, they're all over the place, and there's plenty of material, and I'm sure some of our listeners would like to send us bad material for us to read. Uh, so we did a little reading series where I read it and Benedict reacts. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, I hope our patrons enjoyed it, and I think we might start doing that in the future. But the reason I bring it up is because I want to get everyone's opinion. I know that the patrons heard it, so maybe they had an uh, opinion about how fun that was, or, or if they hated it, I don't know, because I crinkled and crankled and crumpled the paper, as I am wont to do. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I want to hear from the regular listeners, whether that's something you'd be interested in when we run out of those uh, old book reviews that we're replaying uh, in between regular shows. So let us know on Twitter, Facebook, go over to the Patreon page and leave a comment there. Wherever you want to go, you can let us know. So the last thing in our housekeeping pile this week is, of course, that we are now only two chapters away from the end of this book. 
uh, after we complete today's episode, which means we need Thank to decide. Thank God. Thank book. God. I know. So uh, I am going to be putting up the poll on Patreon, which will be up hopefully uh, probably by the time uh, this episode goes up. So you'll see it over there uh, with a selection of new books. And, uh, of course, we are going to have the Glenn Beck book, Arguing with Socialists, which I will openly admit uh, I am trying to sway the poll in favor of, as it is my favorite choice for the next book. Uh, Benedict is strongly in favor of putting it on the list, at least, Dinesh D'Souza's newest book, uh, which I am concerned is too similar to the first Dinesh D'Souza book, but what do I know? <laughs> More than Dinesh D'Souza. Yeah, that's, that is That's true. what you know. That is very much true. And there will be some other options. I think I'm going to put four options up. So we'll give you a couple to decide from. Uh, but, you know, listen to me and choose Glenn Beck. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> but there is other news that is astonishing and hilarious and fantastic, which is, of course, and I, we will not be putting this on, is that Donald Trump Jr. has a brand <laughs> new book coming out within the next two months, I think. Yeah, August. It's going to yes. be at, at the same time as the RNC. Which is and it is self-published. So, <laughs> <laughs> Look, yep. I am still not unconvinced that this book wasn't self-published and he just paid them to slap their name on it as the publisher, which would make total sense with the way the Trump family does business. Yeah. I would not be surprised by that in the slightest. But he put out a Twitter post the other day, which I'm sure many people have seen, uh, with the cover of his new book, which... <laughs> Does does Chuck Tingle dirty? I mean, it, it's not a great cover. It's another photo of him in front of flames and I think Chuck Schumer's face I in the background. Yeah, the outline of Chuck Schumer's face. Mm -hmm. With a typo after uh, Democrats, he put the apostrophe. No, in the he was deliberately there. talking about one Democrat. It's just one Democrat that he has a problem with. <laughs> then he got, okay, in that case, the whole syntax of the sentence is wrong. It's just bad. Yeah. It's just bad. So it's called okay. liber liberal privilege, Joe Biden and the Democrats' defense of the indefensible, which is not going to be good. But yeah. So I think it's, it's Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, and Chuck Schumer that are behind him on the thing. And uh -huh. then, like, I think... I can't tell if there's a fourth person or if it's just, like, the it's, outline. This is what I'm saying. Chuck Tingle kind of, has higher standards for his book covers than Donnie Jr. does. It kind of looks like the Phantom of the Opera mask is, like, the fourth person. It's <laughs> kind of hard maybe to Maybe it represents the deep state. Maybe, yeah, maybe. It's very, so, very weird and we, we will terrible. <laughs> We will not be doing that book, and I, I will tell you why. And I wanted to talk a little bit here because we're getting to the end. I think when we're done with this whole book, we're going to do an episode that's just sort of our debrief on the book. Yeah, that's a good Just idea. to talk about the whole thing, what we've been through, and, and where we are with it. But I want to talk about it just for a minute here because my feeling at this point in this book, at chapter 14, having read all this, again, is still that we've learned nothing. Although I will say we might learn something in this chapter uh, which is not necessarily something of, of use, but something about Donnie Jr., I think we learn in this chapter, mm. which I will get into. But uh, the problem with this book the entire time has been, compared to books we've done in the past, like the Dinesh D'Souza book, The Faith of Donald J. Trump, and uh, the Greg Jarrett book, which um, you haven't heard yet if you're listening to those, those flashback episodes, but will be coming eventually, is those were trying to make an argument and had yeah. a real standpoint Whereas Donnie Jr.'s book is mainly just a half-attempt at an autobiography, 
mixed in with complaints about how people treat him on social media. And there's not very much for us to do with that. And, and the other part of it being that I have such little respect for Donnie Jr. that I find it so incredibly hard to give him credit for anything, where you, at various times throughout this review, have tried actively to give him credit where he's correct. But I have such little respect for him. A even broken clock you. is right, correct. It's correct twice a day. Like. True. But I have a hard time even doing that because you, knowing my history, when I was a right wing douchebag, with very little less luck than I had, could have ended up as some dumbed down iteration of v- iteration this, yeah. of Donnie Jr. Right. Exactly. I could have been this, which is part of why I have such little respect for him. That's fair. No, I get that. I think. It's a political memoir from someone who's been in politics for one and a half years, which is, it's just a very, it's a very weird approach to, to writing and like thinking you have an interesting story to tell. It's just a very, it's a very Trumpian approach to writing a book that's supposed to be full of facts and that it's mostly about him is the thing. So, you know, it's not anything too different from what I expected, but you know, we can get into this in the future uh when we when we look back and review the book but yeah i think from chapter kind of four onwards we knew what we were reading and it it wasn't any kind of there was no thesis behind it yeah and so that's i think why that's the main reason why there's not really a chance we're gonna do donnie jr's second book although i might personally check it out and read it myself uh and i might bring it up on the show but we're we're not gonna do it for the show i don't think because it's just there's not enough material there to keep us entertained we might do a busy. chapter here and there for patrons or something, but if, if people want that. but It's possible, but I just don't think there's enough there because it's been hard to get through even this book. There's been so little. But Benedict, with that out of the way, we return to our book review of Triggered <laughs> by Donald Trump Jr., a lump of congealed hair gel that some children place in old cotton trucker hat they found on. <laughs> Is there that the book or him? some magic in that mega hat we found. Anyways, Benedict, <laughs> what do we read this week? This week, we read Chapter 14, The Late Night King of Comedy with Jussie Smollett and the Faux Trade Orchestra. I hate you. I hate you for making me read that out loud. Otherwise known as the silent majority being so, so loud. <laughs> you know how much I hate the silent majority thing. I know. That's revenge for making because me say the words. Because it's false on both levels. Both levels. Oh, God. Revenge so, for making me say the words faux trade orchestra. Well, it's going to come up again throughout this chapter. He loves that word. He thinks he has the greatest portmanteau ever created. <laughs> Normally, I love a portmanteau, but this oh, is like... Oh, God. But Benedict, uh, I-, I did mention uh, earlier that I think we learned something about him in this chapter. And what I think we learned, we'll get to, it's a little ways in, but what I think we're getting at is that Donald Trump has gone farther down the alt-right conspiracy theory uh, internet hole than anyone else in his family or this administration. That he is there, that he is actively promoting and fanning those flames. Yeah, I could see we'll that. We'll get to I, it. I mean, Eric, Eric did post a Q meme on Instagram not that long ago. So. This is true, but I think uh, we'll get to it when we get to the precise point. But I have some reasoning for believing that. Okay, but, we'll get to Benedict, it. Benedict, do you have an alternate chapter title for us this week? <laughs> I actually don't. I forgot to write one this week because I was so angry at the current. I was so angry at the. I was like, I can't look at this right now. I will come back to it, and then I know. Well, you're lucky. I have three of them. Okay, though. let's go. I have uh, the Tonight Show with unrepentant racism. Because <laughs> I stuck with the you know the late night comedy thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, got it. Here's victim blaming. 
<laughs> old here's Johnny. And uh, the burning cross of fake hate crimes, my last oh, one. No. Because, A, okay, I want to talk about this title first. You read it. It's terrible. A, the late night king of comedy with Jussie Smollett. Okay, Johnny Carson was called the king of late night comedy, right? Or the king of late night. There's a documentary, PBS documentary called The King of Late Night. The late night king of comedy is not any sort of way anyone has ever uh, written no, it, that out or said. It also it also has nothing to do with anything. Like it, it there's nothing about like late night shows or anything in no. this whole chapter. Like it, he literally just wanted to write Jussie Smollett and the Photo Rage Orchestra, and then was like, "Oh, I'd better include something about it being a late night show, otherwise it won't make any sense." Which like it still doesn't. But I I yeah I don't know. Absolutely. But we start off. The very first sentence of this chapter with what I am convinced is veiled homophobia. Because the first sentence says, It seemed that Jussie had picked the wrong night to go out for a footlong. I can only imagine he laughed out of his chair when he wrote that because he imagined a homophobic double entendre when he wrote that. Oh, I didn't even, I, I didn't know about that. I didn't get that. But sure. Well, like we mentioned, I assume worse about Donnie Jr. Is, than you It do. is certainly possible, but that is not <laughs> how I read it, to be fair. Okay, but he starts off here telling us that, uh, of course, he did it. He went out at 2 a.m. for Subway, negative four degrees, instead of ordering seamless. Okay, two things. First of all, Kevin, how was this only last year? It seems like I have lived a whole <laughs> lifetime between this and this was January 29th, 2019. And then, yeah, the seamless thing is very much, well, first of all, he brings up seamless, which I was unaware was even an ordering service until I read that in this chapter. It's a New York thing. It's it's Grubhub. It's Grubhub's name in New York, basically. Well, I looked it up and yes, Grubhub owns it. It's not even its own company anymore. They just basically still have an app called seamless because people don't want to change the Grubhub app. Yeah, I think. Well, I think what happened was it was its own thing, and then Grubhub bought them, and then they yeah, were just like, "We'll keep the branding and everything." So, yeah, it's Grubhub. So again, telling on himself that he is sheltered New Yorker. <laughs> I guess he's never tried to o- order seamless in Montana. Fucking uh, out of touch New York conservatives. Conservatives. Exactly. Exactly. Cons- I, oh, conservatives. Well, I wanted to say liberal. I'm so used to hearing it said the other way. <laughs> <laughs> Your brain was like, this isn't right. I will change halfway through uh, yeah, the line. Yeah. But then he says, oh, this young so, gay black actor was heading home on foot. Like, why are those details important to this story? P- people walk. Did you not know that, Donnie? Like, people walk in New York City. Like, I've seen it. Well, you this can... is Chicago. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's this, true. This Chicago, is Chicago. Sure. Yeah. yeah, whatever. People walk in cities, except for Donnie Jr., of course, because he takes his limo wherever the fuck he's going to go. Uh, but he so he tells the whole story of the Smollett attack. He he fine. He tells the story. He doesn't do anything too egregious as far as exaggeration in telling no. the story. Uh, he just says it. But then he does write out the N word with three stars in it. And I know he wanted to write out the whole word, and somebody advised him not to. Maybe because uh, he follows that immediately with this paragraph, which says, "Quote now, if you've never tuned in." Allow me to explain. The show Empire is kind of a soap opera about hip-hop that is popular with a black audience. Jesse Smollett plays a young, up-and-coming singer with lots of relationship problems. Even if those two crazy rednecks did exist, I don't think they'd have recognized him from the show, let alone made him their target. Okay. (laughs) Now, yes, Empire is very popular with an African-American audience. It very much is. It also, for most of its run, was one of the most popular television shows on all networks. Yeah. So I think there is a good possibility that no matter who these people are, they might have liked the show. 
But Donnie Jr. is so stuck in his own fucking worldview that if something is popular with an African-American audience, there's no way that white people like it. That he has to think, he has to put that down on paper. That's true. Well, I mean, it also says a lot about what he thinks rednecks are and the, Mm -hmm. you know, he's like, oh, this is a MAGA supporter. They would never like the same thing black people like. Like, yeah, it's a, it says a lot about what he thinks about the Trump base on that, that some is... on some level. It is. You're right. Him acknowledging what his base is like, just yeah. even in an implicit way and not even really recognizing he's saying that there is an acknowledgement there. True. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm glad <laughs> we nice. agree. So we continue <laughs> onwards. And yes, we get the rest of the story. Uh, the the. Jussie going public with it, and according to Donnie Jr., what happened next was that every liberal hate watch group in the country came out to demand that something be done. A legion of social justice warriors, armed with their keyboards and hashtags, stormed the internet. So many outraged tweets came from Hollywood that the lights in Tinseltown dimmed. Kevin, what does that mean? I spent like three minutes staring at that sentence, being like, what? (laughs) Is he even going for here? Let let me read it again. So many outraged tweets came from Hollywood (laughs) that the lights in Tinseltown dimmed. Does he think that people are using so much electricity on their phone that it's taking away from the lights in the neighborhood? I just, I don't understand. That was my reading, to be honest with you. I was like, okay, maybe if your phones are all plugged in, I guess every tweet takes a certain amount of electricity. We could calculate how much electricity per tweet, how much it would take to dim the electrical grid. It's like every time your your AC kicks on and the lights dim for a second. But no, it's just a stupid thing he wrote. I mean, why are we taking this seriously? I just, I, I was, I have no idea what he was going for there. And I was like, is this, that, that is the only thing I can think of. People, it's like 10 million tweets darkened Tinseltown by one <laughs> wattage's worth of bull. I don't know, whatever. Oh, uh, it was, it's a bad, he's a bad writer. Let me say this up yep. front so people are clear on my position is that Donald Trump Jr. is a bad writer. I'm not sure if we've said that yet. Let I'm quite, quite happy to join you on that hill. <laughs> but of course, he brings up people like Kamala Harris and Cory Booker, who said, uh, you know, terrible things that this is terrible, blah, 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 all that sort of stuff. And he says, quote, well, every. Sorry, just just quickly that he 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 loves to accuse people of reading from the same script as if it's like some big conspiracy when that is what is known in I think all marketing as messaging. Like it tends to be that when you're trying to get a message across, you tend to use words that you know are going to resonate with people because they've resonated previously. So if you are doing a thing where you're trying to say, hey, I agree with this person, you will often use the same words as that they used. Yeah, I, and I'll even go a step beyond what you said, where I don't think it's necessarily marketing. I think there's a limited number of words we have in the English language to define bad things. Yeah. So it's true. probably highly likely you're going to run up against using the same sort of language. Yeah. Right? And like, I, I looked up the Cory uh, Corey Booker tweet and the Kamala Harris tweet. They're not like fucking identical like he's claiming they are and stuff like that it's just this is and this is part of what i'm talking about him getting deep into the online internet conspiracy culture because there is a meme among the alt-right the eight channers the poll board people the r slash the donald people about every time something bad happens everyone on the left is like a robot repeating the same thing over and over and over this is like a paul joseph watson trope where he would do fucking videos that would like robotic voices of thousands of people repeating the same phrase about, you know, whatever uh, imaginary 
slight they had faced, according to PJ Dubs, right? Mm. So this leads me, like, to think that this is the beginning of me starting to think maybe by this chapter, right? This is the first time I've really realized this. I think Donnie Jr. is, for, maybe because he's so active online and the circles he puts himself in on social media, is more active in that far-right conspiracy theory subset of internet culture than we had previously realized. I think that's probably, I, I mean, it's certainly a good theory. I, I, yeah, and we'll get to further on in this chapter where I think some things pop up that show it to be an even better theory. But we start off. Right now, after that, that paragraph, there's a page break, and then we get him telling us, From the moment I heard Jussie's tale, I knew there was a good chance that it was bullshit. So, when there was no reason to doubt it, none of the contrary information had come out yet, he immediately thought it was bullshit. Yeah. And now, it may sound great to go on TV and say, Oh, I knew it was bullshit from the beginning. Look, I retweeted people who said it was bullshit. You say that about all of the things. So eventually, if you happen to get one right, maybe you look like a savant when that one <laughs> happens. Yeah. But you ignore all the times you were wrong in the past, which uh, I will be bringing up. And oh. I, and, and Kevin this, has a list, folks. I have a Kevin list because a this, list. this chapter, what this chapter is, right? We're just, we've got the Jesse Smollett story. We're now going to get into what this chapter is really about. This chapter is about denying the existence of hate crimes. Yep. That's basically the point of this chapter. And to say, of course there are no hate crimes. My father doesn't inspire anyone to commit hate crimes. And of course he's fucking wrong about that. And you bet your ass I have fucking receipts. All right. This is exciting for everyone. Yes. I haven't read these, so I'm excited to hear You haven't read Because, okay, I have in our notes this week, our outline, I have, what is this? Four pages, no, three pages of lists of hate crimes inspired by Donald Trump. It's ridiculous that it only took me an hour to get 30-something of them. Yeah. And I didn't dig that deep because at some point I said, man, I got to stop writing down all these people who threatened to kill AOC and Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib, or I'm just going to have a long, massive list of those. I got to stick to just stuff that's more interesting. So I have left out a shitload of the ones that were even easy to find. And there's a fucking ton of them out there that I, I wasn't going to dig for, for five hours. It took me one hour to get... 36 instances of hate crimes directly inspired by Donald Trump. Like, for example, Patrick Crucius, the 2019 El Paso Walmart shooter who wrote in his manifesto specifically about an immigrant invasion and cultural and ethnic replacement. And Benedict, I know you might jump in here and you might say, but Kevin, didn't he say specifically in his manifesto that he felt this way about immigrants before Trump, so the shooting wasn't Trump's fault? He said that specifically? And I say, yes, Benedict, and we should absolutely trust the mass shooter who idolized Donald Trump when he says it's not Trump's fault and in Got no it. way did Donald Trump inspire him to do this. We should absolutely trust that guy. Yeah. Or perhaps... I Oh. Caleb Joseph Illig, a white man in Florida who in 2016 punched a Latinx gas station attendant and yelled, this is for Trump. That's or the three right. Kansas militia members convicted in 2019 of attempting to bomb an apartment building with a high number of Somali immigrants who posted pro-Trump social media posts and expressed an interest in killing them with bullets dipped in pig's blood after Trump told that apocryphal story at a rally. Uh, yeah, and then later sad. argued in court that they were acting what they believed to be self-defense because they thought if Trump won, Obama wouldn't allow him to take office. How is that self-defense? I don't know. Okay. Or perhaps never... Stephen Leader, who in August 2015, along with his brother, beat a homeless Mexican man with a metal pole and when arrested, told police, Donald Trump was right. All these illegals need to be deported. Uh, 
He I hasn't just, even in this chapter said yet that hate crimes are fake, but I'm no. already bringing out receipts. Kevin's already angry. Folks. Because Kevin I'm very angry. angry about this chapter. So I why like, don't we continue? I, I enjoy that he goes from saying every elite liberal was quick to blame my father for it to shitting on Subway, being like, ugh, Subway, who would go to Subway? Which, to be <laughs> fair, is the correct take. It is, but to be honest. also, you can't complain about elitism and then be like, ugh, Subway. <laughs> also, that does bring me up to uh, in another entire unrelated thing which is i have been on a a sandwich kick lately where i have been trying i've been making for myself at home a variety of different types of sandwiches adding different condiments different types of you know mixes of meats and cheeses and vegetables so i've had so many sandwiches in the last couple weeks um i think i found i found my perfect mix it is ham with a layer of sharp cheddar on top tomatoes lettuce bread and butter pickles gotta go with those a tiny bit of sriracha mayo okay. and mustard. Okay. That's my that's mix. Good. That is how, my how on, on sourdough. On with, sourdough. Oh, it's sour, be on yeah, sourdough. obviously on sourdough. Yeah. Ciabatta and sourdough are the only correct sandwich breads. Absolutely. Um, how, how does the sriracha mayo go with the mustard? That feels like it might oh, clash a little. Okay. No, no. It's a little bit, just a tiny bit of heat from the, the sriracha in the mayo. Because I make my own. So I just mix it together and put okay. it into a squeeze bottle. So it's not like very spicy sriracha mayo. But it's just a little, bit, a, bit, a little bit of tang in there to counter like the sweetness of the pickles and the tomatoes and everything. Really, really good. Okay. All right. Should we talk about <laughs> shitty sandwiches again? Yeah, that's fine. So... Uh, the, the, the example that he gives of evidence of why he knew from the beginning that this was fake was that the accused attackers said, quote, this is MAGA country. And according to Donnie Jr., he has never heard that phrase, so that's why he knew this was fake. Yeah, well, first of all, he's talked to every single MAGA supporter in the world, as we know, because he hangs around in rooms until everybody leaves, that apart is, from him. It, it's the dumbest reason to not believe well, okay, in a hate crime. His, his, it, yes, first of all, yes. The, the second thing is, again, this is that same thing where he's saying only my supporters my base or my father's base whatever are real americans Mm -hmm. because what he says is you know what trump supporters call maga country they call it america so like maga country is america whereas these elite liberal cities that's not america that's that's the again the implicit thing there i mean and that ties into all the recent stuff with dc dc statehood and all that right where we have all these republicans saying you know they're not real americans go ask the real americans in montana shit like that to which i only have to say as a dc resident for the last two years fuck you we're fucking real americans Mm-hmm. We deserve to have the same say in our government as everybody fucking else, and all of your reasons are lame bullshit. I mean, on that note, I think green card holders should be allowed to vote, but you, nobody's ready for that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so, he tells us, he continues his story of how his reaction to the Jussie Smollett event went, where he points out that he decided to just retweet a couple people. That's all he was doing. Just retweeting. It's all, isn't it? Retweeting people is, he obviously agreed with. It's but all really boring. Like, it's, it's it like is. everyone knows it's like, Jesse Smollett, yes, did a bad thing. Everyone's kind of aware of that. Like, let's address the actual thing instead of like, this is literally 20 chapters of like, was I right? Was I right? Was I right? I was right. But like, okay, but you were also wrong about many, 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 many things. So... Well, I really think he wants to stake his claim with the Jussie Smollett stuff. 
because he was one of the first people out there with a large Twitter following who called it fake reflexively and yeah. ended up luckily being right. Well, also, the other thing is, please don't, like, don't fake hate crimes. There are enough yeah. real hate crimes that, there like, really are. Th- this just gives people the ammo to to deny people's Benedict, actual there are more than enough real hate crimes like for example john martin ruse of oregon who the fbi arrested in 2015 with pipe bombs and an arsenal of weapons after he repeatedly threatened online women the gays african-americans hispanics president obama and the liberal media and who could best be described as a trump twitter troll yeah or, for example, Henry Slapnick of Cleveland, who in 2016 attacked his African-American neighbors with a knife and said afterwards that, quote, Donald Trump will fix them because they are scared of Donald Trump. What? Yeah. That doesn't even make sense. He's going to fix them, Benedict. He's going to okay. fix them. All right. Whatever. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So. It, but it, the, it, the, 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 this line made me laugh so much. This line, I literally wrote in the margins, I can't stop laughing. Because he wrote about the people he retweeted. They weren't lunatic figures or on the fringes of the alt-right. They were respected commentators who had the good sense to ask questions when nobody else would. Colon. Candace Owens and the actor Terrence K. Williams. Good. Parentheses, both black, by the way. Candace Owens, who said, I think, was it Hitler wasn't a national? If Hitler just wanted to do, make Germany great again, it all would have been good. That's what she said. The thing that got her kicked out of Turning Point USA, which I don't know know if that had happened by the time this book was published. I could not remember off the top of my head. I I I don't don't want to go look up dates. Because I don't remember when that happened and when this was published exactly. I think this was published before that. Okay. Uh, but I do have, like, I have a funny story about Terrence K. Williams, which is that I ran into him in a D.C. cigar bar after one of the uh, many White House uh, black leadership events, of which, of course, there were only conservatives uh, invited to such events who are not really leaders. They're just people on Twitter who have a lot of white followers who enjoy watching their tokens dance for them. Because Terrence K. Williams is literally just a guy who makes troll videos of him sitting and eating a bucket of chicken or sitting and eating watermelon while he's watching video of a liberal talk. It's, he, he's not a fucking actor. You can't call that an actor. He's a dumbass working the same grift that Michelle Malkin flamed out on when she went too far explicitly white supremacist. Yeah, she went a long way to the white supremacist uh-huh. vibe. That was bad. You never go full white supremacist. Indeed. Uh, But of course he cries that when this happened, everyone accused him of being a racist, which he is, it should be noted, Uh, and that there was nothing racist about doubting this story, which, yes, there is, because you had no evidence to doubt it at the time, which you admit on the next page. But he follows it up by saying, I was an evil racist, quote, just for asking the questions, which is the Alex Jones defense. Yeah, literally I'm just to his Sandy Hook that. lawsuit. That is Alex Jones's defense. Yeah, I hate that as a as a. <laughs> oh, I, it's like oh, I'm just playing devil's advocate. No, you're not. You're being a dick. That <laughs> I'm yeah. just playing devil's advocate. I'm just being a dick. Those two are interchangeable. Mm-hmm. But so, or like this doesn't affect me in any meaningful way, and I feel I should be able to have an opinion about it. That's of what a devil's advocate is. Of course, but so I mentioned right, he had already retweeted Candace Owens, Terrence K. Williams, these people, and then he writes, "This continues the timeline forward." Just as the triggered SJW editors were pushing publish on the stories targeting me, new details were emerging about the attack, details that began to punch holes in Jussie's story. It was information that any real journalist might have been interested in. So he admits there 
that he had no evidence at the time he was calling it fake that it was fake. Yeah. Because it wasn't until he had already said it that the evidence that there was anything wrong with the story began to came up. I just, that, okay, we got it. You're a fucking racist, Donnie. You wanted to call it fake because it was a black guy attacked by, he claimed, MAGA supporters, which we know really does happen in this country. Like, for example, Daniel Rowe of Olympia, Washington, who in 2016 attacked a mixed-race couple on the street with a knife after seeing them kiss and told police that he planned on heading down to the next Donald Trump rally and stomping out more of the Black Lives Matter group. Or the chief of the Bordentown, New Jersey Police Department, who assaulted an African-American youth in custody in 2016 by slamming his head into a door and shortly after was secretly recorded saying, quote, Donald Trump is the last hope for white people. Yeah, that's not great. Seems to be pretty strong evidence that there are, in fact, hate crimes committed for Donald Trump. Yeah, Call me crazy. Or, or, or calling Donald Trump as an ins- inspiration. Yes, yes. But we continue on. He gives us the rest of the story, the fallout, Jesse Smollett, it beca- the, the individuals coming out who were claimed to be the attackers, blah, 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 blah. And then he says, quote, Of course, Twitter was filled with repentant Hollywood stars and Democratic politicians apologizing for rushing to judgment. Yeah, right, (laughs) dot, dot, dot. How many times has he done that in this book? <laughs> the old, the old bait and switch keeps get, gets us everything. We're like oh Charlie God. Brown with the football. We just he keep is, running up. He is one hundred percent a guy who still does the Borat voice of my wife. Oh, 100%. he is absolutely that fucking guy. <laughs> I love yeah. it. Uh, he says, "Yeah, right." Presidential hopefuls and social justice warriors were off to find the next faux trage. Yes. We get At the, least he didn't we get the title of the with orchestra. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. the, the thing that annoys me is faux trade orchestra. That is, I just, I can't deal with that. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. So particularly, he wants to, to hit on Kamala Harris here, who he says that he claims this is what she had to say. Quote, I'm very um concerned about obviously the initial um allegation that he made about what might have happened. I was unable to find that anywhere. And I found all the, the TV interviews she did in the aftermath uh, with this. I couldn't find anywhere. Where yeah, she it's said telling that this words. is not in quotations. Not in quotations, but it is set off in its own block paragraph. Uh, I did, in fact, though, find a post from Kamala Harris where she put out a public statement regarding the Jussie Smollett attacks after all the truth started to come out. And it was revealed that Jussie Smollett had lied about the entire incident where she said, quote, Like most of you, I've seen the reports about Jesse Smollett, and I'm sad, frustrated, and disappointed. When anybody makes false claims to the police, it not only diverts resources away from serious investigations, but it makes it more difficult for other victims of crime to come forward. At the same time, we must speak the truth. Hate crimes are on the rise in America. Just last year, the FBI released statistics that revealed a 17% increase in the number of hate crimes in America. Part of the tragedy of this situation is that it distracts from the truth, and has been seized by some who would like to dismiss and downplay the very real problems that we must address. We should not allow that. I will always condemn racism and homophobia. We must always confront hate directly, and we will not, we must always seek justice. That is what I will keep fighting for. That seems like a pretty clear statement to me. Yeah, that's unequivocal. To, to be, yeah, but but he of course what he always says is I didn't hear any of blank. Yeah, and the point is true. you didn't hear any of blank because you weren't looking for any of blank because you've created the voices that you want to hear. You put them in your circle, and you don't hear anything outside yeah. of that. Not only not only created, but curated the voice that you, you want to hear. Like, you, you only listen to the... And it, it's the same for every bubble to an extent. Like, you don't... 
you only hear the most extreme things or the things that confirm your biases, but like there, it is very easy to go looking for these things. It's true. It's very true. But he doesn't do the bare minimum that would be required to find them, like you said. But we get a page break again, and we move on. We've now gotten Lots the entirety of, of the just in this chapter. Right. This, he doesn't do that very often, but he's no, done it a lot right. in this chapter. Uh, but we get now, we get away from the Jussie Smollett story directly, and we get to the portion where he will start explicitly claiming that hate crimes are fake, which are, of course, what made me very, very angry and set me off for an hour last night of doing And all also my that nobody was racist about Barack Obama. Of course, of course not. Yeah. Where he says to begin this section off, quote, In some sick way, the Smollett attack, when people believed it, was the best thing that had ever happened to liberals. For two years, they had been telling the world that Donald Trump had made our country more racist, more divisive, and more dangerous for minorities. We and didn't they'd need been saying this. it without a shred of evidence. We didn't evidence, need this for evidence. Evidence like Benedict. Mark Fagan of Los Angeles, who was arrested in 2016 after posting threatening messages to a mosque Facebook page, and whose lawyer argued that his Trump-supporting client was only addressing public issues raised by the Trump campaign and using similar language to then-candidate Trump. Or Todd Warnkin arrested for assault in 2016 for harassing an African-American woman in a store and telling her, quote, Trump is going to win, and if you don't like it, I'm going to beat your ass, you N-word. Or David Howard arrested in 2016 for attempting to burn down his neighbor's house because a Muslim family had bought it, who said, quote, with the fact that the president wants these six countries vetted, everybody vetted before they come over, there's a concern about Muslims. Or Jacob Holtzlander, arrested in 2016 for attacking an East African cab driver who repeatedly yelled racial slurs and yelled Trump during his attack. Good. I that don't is, th that's those, enough evidence, I think. To, those are to, all 2016 yeah. before 2019, you might notice. You I might don't say. think there was a lack of evidence leading up to the Jussie Smollett attack. Like, for example, Dusty Paul Lacombe arrested in 2016 for randomly attacking an African-American man in San Antonio by leaving his car, walking to the victim, stating he was a Trump supporter, and then punching him. Cool. Yep. Yep. Or Robin Rose, who attacked a Muslim Delta Airlines employee who was wearing a job at work at JFK Airport in 2017 and told the victim afterwards when confronted with the police president, you did nothing but fucking Islam, fucking ISIS. Trump is here now. He will get rid of all of you. Is that it? Or are you going to go again? I think we'll give it a break before I give bring out break. more receipts. Yeah. All right. Let's do that then. So he continues saying, quote, you see... In the prevailing view of the left, this whole country is a sick, evil, white supremacist plot gone wrong. The left likes to think we didn't like Barack Obama because of his race. In fact, and this, this is where we get to my theory that he has gone down that rabbit hole and he is part of the conspiracy-believing alt-right internet community. In fact, we didn't like him because of his economic stance, globalist views, yeah. and gun-grabbing, big-government liberal policy. Now... Globalist, Benedict. That's the word I'm highlighting on there yeah, because that think, is I a think drop. That's kind of bled over into but mainstream no, there. But no, Benedict. Here's my point. I read that and I went, "Holy shit! I've never seen Donnie Jr. use that word before." Because I am someone who pays a lot of attention to those sorts of online communities. Uh, I, I pay a lot of attention to Alex Jones, who's probably you know one of the highlights in those communities. People like Nicholas J. Fuentes, who is the new rising white nationalist leader of that community. So I've heard a lot of that shit. Globalist is their fucking word. And you're right. It may have bled in to some extent. No, I, I mean, he says, so some of his tweets. So he quoted uh, Laura Ingram um, saying, Casey Hunt just said the human decency wing of the GOP is gone. 
with Jess Flake, and he says she misspelled liberal globalist wing of the GOP. So he's accusing uh, Jeff Flake of being a, a liberal globalist. And then he says, in 20, 26th of April 2017, he said, should be really fun to watch the mainstream media tr- spin today's tax reform plan into their Trump globalist narrative. So like I said, these, these things about globalism that pop up on his social media, right? These things he ties them to are very much tied into that online conspiracy community because he's using them in similar ways to the ways that they're using them. He's applying the label to people that that community attacks as globalists, where really the only thing you need to do to be a globalist is to say a single thing negative about Trump. You're automatically a globalist. It doesn't matter. But that is, I have to say, because normal members of the Republican Party don't use the word fucking globalist because it's a nonsense word. Because it doesn't fucking mean anything. Yeah, I, it's I a don't boogeyman. Know if that's true. I just, I, I, I get, I get what you're saying, but I just, I think it's, it's Trump's party now. Well, we like, we is, know Trump has said the word, right? Because it has come up with him. Donnie, Donnie Senior has said the word. So here's the thing. I think it's a Stephen Miller word, honestly, and I think that's probably how it gets to the Trumps. I think it, it gets to them through Stephen Miller. I, I, I don't know how... And I That's do think Stephen possible. Miller is wrapped up in all of that stuff. He is. It but, is possible that the way it gets to Donnie Sr. is through Stephen Miller. But I think that because we know Donnie Jr. is so invested and so involved in his social media and online community and the types of people he surrounds himself with there, that it came to him through a different avenue. Because I don't think Donnie Jr. has much contact with Stephen Miller. I really doubt it. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, it's it's certainly a possibility. It's certainly a possibility. And it is that is a very loaded word, as we know. Absolutely. It's tight. Look, all, all the globalist conspiracy is just a modern day watering down of anti-Semitic conspiracy yeah. theories. And it also, really just is. Yeah, same as cultural Marxism. Yeah. Um, I would point out that, in fact, contrary to his position, lots of people were racist to Barack Obama and did not yeah. like him because of his race. <laughs> It's re- yeah, th- we don't need to spend really any time rebutting that, like just see the last eight years of our country before 2016, right? Yeah. The, the fucking Tea Party hanging effigies of, of Obama, shit like that. The, it, there just was racism. You, also, you can't deny that shit. We, we then move on to my favorite bit of this chapter when he mm-hmm. says, they believe our founding fathers were nothing but murderous colonizers who eliminated, eliminated the Native Americans, enslaved African Americans, and set up the country that so that all ethnic and racial minorities would be oppressed for eternity. Tell that me is- a single thing that's wrong with that, that <laughs> where, phrase there. Where is the lie? That is not incorrect. I think the, the, the only saving grace for it is nothing but murderous colonizers, etc. Which, like, there's a little more to them than that, but they certainly were also all those things. But, but also, it's a, it is also a straw man, in a way, of the left's argument, which is that we don't need... Our argument contains we don't need to be that anymore. And yeah. we should actively try to not be that anymore. And, and there are people that like we you. were once like that. Also, right. And we shouldn't thing. hold up fucking statues of the people who were like that. Because that's how we, we want to get away from that. We don't want to glorify the racists of the past. Yeah. Indeed. But yes, I think you were going to continue onward to his nice little Howard Zinn drop. 
Oh yeah, he does. And I, <laughs> as if, I don't know how he came to hear of Howard Zinn, but that's an interesting, uh, interesting thing for him to know about the people's uh, history of the United I, I, States. I know exactly how he got to know about Howard Zinn, and that's because people like Rush Limbaugh and Glenn Beck love oh, to shit do. on Howard Zinn on their okay, radio okay. shows. Yes, that that's absolutely. Have, have any of them ever talked to Howard Zinn on their radio shows? I don't shows? think just any of them have interest? ever read Howard Zinn. No, neither. I think I. they just know the name, and somebody pulled a few quotes out of, you know, fucking the people's history of the United States, and they're, look at this out of context! I guarantee you that's probably happened, but I don't think they know jack shit about Howard Zinn. Yeah, I would love for them to actually have to debate the people that they talk shit about all the time. I would love for a group on their side to do what we do, but with liberal books that they consider to be crazy. Actually have to go through it it all. (laughs) No, I would would honestly love that, because I I really think... um, while what we do is a lot of comedy, right? We're making a lot of fun. I think on some level, we joke about not learning anything from these books, but we don't learn anything of substance. We learn about the subjects, about the people who wrote the book and about their worldview and what they think. And I think that would be incredibly useful if there was a group on the other side doing the same thing about us, although it would be very difficult because uh, they wouldn't treat it. Our I don't think they, I don't funny. Think they, uh, now that I think about it, I don't think they'd treat it with any sort of honest effort or in a, a forthright way. I think they would just, you know, bullshit their way through it and, and not do it honestly. So it would, probably wouldn't work as well. Maybe that's Oh, wait, that's, that's not what we're doing? <laughs> <laughs> Shit! Those are Soros checks. Gotta you run! You blew our cover. Oh, no. Fuck! Uh, so, we got, of course, yes, that, that that's his idea of what the left thinks of the United States. That it's an all-or-nothing view that you're either a racist white man or you're uh, an oppressed minority. That is, of course, the dichotomy he is setting up. And that's not me being hyperbolic. He basically does write just that. So he says, quote, You are required by the wacky bylaws of the left, of leftism, to believe that person, being a, a, a minority, if you don't, you're racist. As though that's the reality. To which... That doesn't even square up with the way things sit right now, which he is obviously aware of, which is nobody believes Jussie Smollett because we know it was fake. Yeah, because what evidence came do, out to show. You don't what, dismiss it out of hand. Yeah, you don't reflexively you're... say it's false because it's politically damaging to you. Yeah. yeah. Which I will say, there are people on the left who I know do that, who I've seen do that on social media and things. That's true. And they shouldn't do that. I'll call out my own side when we do that. We shouldn't reflexively say everything that is negative to us is fake. We just shouldn't. We should believe, when bad things happen to people, we should believe the people's account unless there's reason not to believe it. And we've established when Donnie Jr. was not believing this account, there was no reason for him not to believe it. He later had to come up with a reason for why he believed it reflexively to be fake at the beginning. I believe that's where his nobody says MAGA country shit came from. Yeah, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I have to say this chapter reads very differently in the wake of the Black Lives Matter protests. Yeah. Because, I mean, he he yells about D. Ray McKesson saying that the police are violent and kill people. And then you're like, "Uh, yes, they are. And we've had very, very recent proof of that. He, he so. basically has a couple-page screed about oppression points and intersectionalism, which he doesn't even name because I don't think he knows that that's he what he's understand. referring to because he doesn't understand intersectionalism. He just thinks it's a, a word that the right throws out about the left. Uh, but he does basically describe it in a way. So, But he goes through all that. It's all about oppression. If you're a white man, you're evil automatically, blah, blah, blah. Boring. And he says, quote, no amount of research or evidence to the contrary can change their minds, referring to the police and the DeRay McKesson situation you just brought up, which saying something like that, I, I just want to point out, 
conveniently means he doesn't have to give any sort of that research or evidence. Oh, yeah, like, oh, I could provide you with pages of research and evidence, but it would be a waste of everyone's time. Yeah, okay. All right, man. My my favorite bit of this section of the page break is when he, quote, tweets himself randomly capitalizing (laughs) Rahm Emanuel's name. He said Rahm Emanuel basically came out and said something negative about Jussie Smollett, which, wait, whatever. But then he puts his weird Twitter, like, block quote in, Donald Trump Jr. at Donald Trump Jr. Never thought I'd agree 100% with Rom Emmanuel. <laughs> just capitalizing the Rom for no reason. <laughs> it's extremely Which look, funny. Look, we've gotten bad self-tweet quoting throughout this chapter. We got the obligatory the self-tweet worst. quote. I yeah, think this it might be because that's not even like a snappy comeback. That's something where like I've been looking around on Twitter for the last hour and I'm like, uh, I'll tweet that. Why not? It's like, I, just, I might get a couple likes Fine. off it. Fuck it. Why not just tweet that? That's just a lazy tweet. It's not even that interesting. But he, I, I, A, I don't understand the quote tweeting to begin with when you could just say that in your you chat. You could be like, I never thought I that. would agree with Rahm Emanuel, but here we are. That would you, be a you more could, But instead he puts in the tweet. I don't I don't understand it. I will never understand it. It does is not. Is it like, does he think this is an academic book where self-plagiarism <laughs> is a thing? So he has to cite his sources. Oh, can you can you only imagine how many quote tweets are going to be in his new book? I, oh, so The many. self-published book. Oh, he's going to go hog wild with those tweet quotes. It's going to be great. But he says about Jussie Smollett, quote, we hear a lot about white privilege in this country today. Well, I haven't heard anyone giving a name to whatever just happened to Jussie, but I'm waiting, referring to him not having to go to prison at the time that this book was written. Uh, to which I have to say, I found many articles talking about wealth privilege and the privilege of fame online mm. with regards to Jussie Smollett. Again, you didn't hear about it because you weren't listening for it. Yeah. It also is. Yeah, it is a thing. Like, wealth privilege is a thing. That, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. People tend not to have to go to prison if they can pay their bond. If they can... Yeah. You know. Everybody knows. It we would be know. a waste of time for me to come. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what, not, what would not be a waste of time for me to do, Benedict? To respond to his next section of the chapter... Where he points out, he goes back to his claiming that hate crimes are all fake by saying, quote, The Smollett stunt wasn't an isolated incident, not by a long shot. The left has been pulling this kind of crap ever since the campaign. To which I have to say, maybe, maybe he's referring to Brandon Davis of North Carolina, who in 2017 yelled homophobic slurs at a gay couple riding their bikes, followed by, quote, You live in Trump country now. Or Kenneth Sharp of Bellevue, Washington, who in 2017 yelled slurs and death threats to two brothers of Middle Eastern descent who were filling their car with gas, and the next day, when interviewed by the police, told them he supports Trump in keeping them out. Or Anthony Scott Ward of California, who threatened to kill Representative Maxine Waters for her opposition to Trump in 2017. Or former U.S. diplomat, this one entertained me because that's a weird weird one to have do this, William yeah. Patrick Zyring of Arlington, Virginia, who in 2018 was arrested for threatening employees of the Arab American Institute, including sending an email a week after the inauguration that said, quote, it's time for ethnic cleansing of Arabs in America. Elections have consequences. President Trump will cleanse America of the AAI president's name and all Arab American terrorists. Perhaps those were the 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 fake fake, incidents he was referring to. Maybe. maybe. All of which, and here's the thing, all these incidents that I have, I only went for ones where the perpetrator was actually arrested. Because in that case, there's a record. There's a paper trail. You, the listener, can look these up. They could look these up if they wanted to. They could see that they are real. We know this happened. It's not crazy. 
But in his mind, he just wants to say they're all conspiracies. They're all hoaxes because yeah. that's what's most beneficial. And I think that's where a lot of this might, my, my, again, my theory that he is dug into that conspiracy side of the internet is when you are at such an, a, a factual disadvantage because reality is opposed to what you say and what you think and what is beneficial to your cause, you have to start calling things fake. You have to start digging into conspiracy. And that's no stranger to the Trump family. Donald Trump is well known for promoting all sorts of conspiracy theories. It's almost every day he tweets out a new conspiracy theory. But it's it's strange to see it written out in paragraph form rather than disjointed yeah. tweets. It's always in the manner of just asking questions as well. It's that same bullshit. Well, I don't think so here. I think he is pretty explicitly saying that hate crimes are all hoaxes and no, all no, yes, sorry, all you, you're hyperbolic. right. You're right. But, I just, I, I meant Trump, Trump tweeting conspiracy yes. theories is always in the in the manner of the just asking questions stuff. But he says this shortly after what I, I previously read from him, where he says, "quote There was no outbreak of hate, only an outbreak of phony hate crimes." Like, for example, perhaps, Caesar Sayoc, the MAGA bomber, who sent pipe bombs to all of Trump's enemies in 2018. Or James Patrick of Florida, who was arrested in 2018 for threatening to kill Democrats if Brett, the Booth Kavanaugh, was not placed on the U.S. Supreme Court. Or Michael Brogan of Brooklyn, who in 2018 was arrested for sending death threats to a senator, leaving a voicemail that said, quote, I'm going to put a bullet in you, you and your com constant lambasting of President Trump. Oh, reproductive rights, reproductive rights. Or David Below of Florida, who was arrested in 2019 <laughs> for breaking into an Iraqi family's home, burglaring their mailbox, and throwing screws at their vehicle, who stated to police after his arrest that, quote, if he doesn't get rid of them, Trump will handle it. Is that it? That, that's it for that okay, one. We'll that, continue. To go we'll continue. Okay, okay. Because I am, again, I, the very top of the next page, he quotes Andy No. Yeah, who also, he quotes as, him as the editor at Quillette. And yeah. He's no longer an editor at Quillette. No. Because he was uh, let go from, well, there was controversy Caught about whether he was let go Caught for falsifying his job. work and committing jurisdictional, or, or, or uh, uh, journalistic Gen fucking malpractice. malpractice. Yeah. 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 Basically, he 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 was seen uh, tagging along with some Proud Boys who were planning an attack and not filming it. Um, and then suddenly, when Antifa showed up on the scene, he started filming it. And Even they, worse than that, most likely he edited his fucking footage to cut out the point where the Proud Boys started that fight. But there was other footage where the Proud Boys clearly started that fight. Yeah. Where Andy No could be seen there seeing that they started that fight, and then he posted his footage and lied and claimed that Antifa started it. So he's not a great person to be your... You, you might say that he did the same as Jesse Smollett. Yeah. You might say. No, in... Andy No has zero credibility. Absolutely zero credibility. And throughout this next section of the chapter... I'm sorry I interrupted you, but you can tell I'm very angry. I can. Throughout this next section of the chapter, he's going to rely almost entirely on a New York Post opinion piece that Andy No posted claiming that all these anti-LGBTQ... LGBTQ attacks in Portland were fake. Yeah, and we just, we have no evidence either way. Zero. We have Andy knows word for it, and that's it. That's worth nothing. And the thing, I, <laughs> I look, I went and read this fucking opinion piece that he wrote, and the sorts of evidence that he uses are that, one, people didn't want to talk to him, which, no, everyone knows who the fuck you are and that you're a cretin. Of course nobody wants to talk to you. Two. Yeah, and they know, they know what side you're on in this. Like, yeah. Yeah, two, that people didn't file a police report, which is like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. These communities don't trust the police. 
Of course, they're not going to file a fucking police report. There was one instance he raised where someone said they had filed a police report, but actually hadn't, to which I can say, yeah, that person, it's very likely that they just wanted the credibility of saying they had filed a police report, but didn't feel safe in doing so, knowing that the Porton police has on multiple occasions worked with the fucking Proud Boys. Yeah, I have that written down in my notes as well. We have video of them being like, hey, we're going to start kettling this street now. You should move somewhere else. And three... He literally harassed people in trying to write this fucking opinion piece, including going to their homes and refusing to leave when they told him to. And he basically uses the fucking piece to exonerate the fucking Proud Boys. What a shock. Imagine my shock. What a fucking shock. It's, it's just ridiculous to me. Like, the one, one for one of these instances, Andy Ngo claims, claims in his article that he spoke to the police and they told him they had, they had no record of something. Okay, for one, that's just Andy No saying that, to which we be, it's been proven Andy No can't be trusted, cannot be trusted whatsoever. But Donnie Jr., of course, writes it in here as though it is factual. He says, quote, the cops told No they had no record of it. I, I, just, you can't fucking trust this guy. Yeah. There may be fake attacks. We know that, that, that hoaxes happen, right? People, people everywhere from any population, a certain number of people are going to be assholes. And they're going to go and try and do something for themselves, make a name, get some money, whatever the fuck the case may be. But to claim that hate crimes are hoaxes on a massive scale is so fucking ridiculous in this country. When I have, for example, more receipts like... Let's go. Christopher Paul Hassan, the Coast Guard member who was arrested for his terrorist plot, who had a massive arsenal and a hit list of Democratic politicians, whose Google search history included searches like Civil War if Trump impeached, What if Trump illegally impeached, and... Where do most senators live in D.C.? That's not good. That, I remember that one that pretty was specifically. One. That was a bad one. Anthony Camello, the QAnon believer who in 2019 murdered the head of the Gambino crime family, believing the mod boss had connections to the deep state. To be fair, more likely to have connections to the Trump family. Honestly, true. <laughs> or Patrick Carlinio, who threatened to murder Representative Ilhan Omar in 2019 and told the FBI that, quote, he was a patriot, he loves the president, and that he hates radical Muslims in our government. All hoaxes according to this fucker. Yeah. I, th- this is like the bingo chapter, though. Like We get the next page, great, page break, and mm-hmm. here we have bingo... Number one on my bingo card, a 1984 quote to complain about <laughs> yeah, the left. Jesus Christ, ah, that made uh, me so fucking angry. And then again, in the next page break, a Martin Luther King non-quote talking about uh, the, the, I have, the only part of the I Have a Dream speech that any conservative has ever listened to. Yes, yes. You know You're the right. part. He, and he quotes the most obvious line of 1984, right? The party told you to reject the evidence of your eyes or ears. Yeah, or if we were like, guess, guess which part of 1984 he quoted. I bet you could, any one of our listeners could tell us exactly the line. Just like you could tell us oh, the yeah. exact line of the Martin Luther King speech that he doesn't even bother to quote. Absolutely. I mean, I did write, you talentless hack. That was my only <laughs> note on that point. The only thing that needs to be said about that. It's but, also so it's so funny because it's the exact, like, that is literally what the Trump administration does. It's a, th- That is the ultimate ironic line for, like, the party told me to believe this, so I didn't wear a fucking mask while there's a pandemic. I, uh, 
God, I'm so angry at the mask people, man. I really am because it's like every day. We've talked about this before. Every day there's a new person refusing to wear a mask. There's people showing up at like town hall meetings and city council meetings with their – although some of them are fucking hilarious. The people who claim that – have like pictures of people wearing leather masks and things for whatever fetish they're into and pointing out that masks are for perverts (laughs) does get me a little – it does make me laugh a little bit. It's funny. My, but he uh, says shortly before ahead. the Martin Luther King quote, quote, by almost every measure imaginable, life for people who claim to, quote, feel that their very existence is at stake has only gotten better over the last 50 years. Their quality of life has improved. High school graduation rates for racial minorities have soared. Unemployment among African-Americans is at its lowest level in the history of the country. DJT, that's stupid fucking shortening we hate, has implemented prison reform and pushed through opportunity zone legislation to help make those he apparently discriminate, help those he apparently discriminates against. And there are no bands of insane racists roving the streets looking for minorities to beat up. That is well, not there true. Are they the did boys. in Philadelphia, well, the Proud yeah. Boys and also in Fishkill in Philadelphia during the Black Lives Matter protests, there were people out with bats. You bet your fucking having... ass. And look, we have to give him... Um, well, I'm not going to say we have to give him credit, but obviously this book was published before That's all of the recent protests. But it's not as though those things weren't going on before the Black Lives Matter protests of the last several months. Like, for example, Matthew Haviland of Rhode Island arrested in 2019 for threatening a college professor who expressed their support for abortion and criticism of Trump, saying via email that, quote, all Democrats must be eradicated and insisting that the country now has, quote, a president who's taking our country in a place of more freedom rather than less. Or Scott Brian Haven, who was arrested for threatening Democratic lawmakers in 2019, saying, quote, I am going to take up my Second Amendment right and shoot you liberals in the head. Or Eric Lynn of Maryland, who threatened a Hispanic woman. I was giving you the pause there. And promised to... It's, it's hard to laugh during these. I know, but I know. Who th- promised to kill all Hispanics. He had recently posted on his Facebook page around that time, quote, I thank God every day for President Don Donald Trump. Donald John Trump. Don Donald. Donald. Don Donald. That's better. And that he will launch a racial war and crusade to keep the N-words and racial slur I'm not even familiar with because it's blanked out, but it's S... It starts with an S and ends with an S. I don't even know what that one is, but I'm going to say the S word. And Muslims and any dangerous non-white or ethnically or culturally foreign group in line. All these these missing uh, racists roving the streets. Who yeah, quite, quite none clearly of them. None of them actually exist. Well, these are all individual actors. They're not roving the streets uh, in a gang, Kevin. Yes. Come on. Unlike uh, those militia members who did work as a group to try and bomb that Somali uh, center. That, oh, that yeah. was, no, of course, that was, uh, yeah, not. Yeah. And the two brothers who, who worked together to, to beat that Hispanic man, of course. Um, yeah. And all of the Proud Boy members I had to leave off the list because there were simply too many who had been arrested for participating in, in violence against counter-protesters um, at all the various events um all the black lives matter events or anything so they were they were technically you know a roving gang and have been designated a street gang mm. uh, so that's that's a thing um okay and well, all the yeah. other ones the, the facts you know i'm just it's all... like it's it's so fucking ridiculous when it's this easy to go and say when he's claiming these are all fucking fake hate crimes nothing's inspired by my father and it's this fu- it literally took me an hour to find 30-something examples of this. And I had to leave literally dozens off the list just because I was like, my hands are cramping from typing. Like, it, it shouldn't be that easy to find all these examples and then have someone go out and write an entire 20-page chapter saying that these are all hoaxes. Yeah. It really shouldn't be. No. 
No, it, your 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 entire thesis shouldn't be disprovable by a Google search. Yeah, well, the whole book is, but that's a different yeah. deal entirely. Yeah. But can we, we just talk to... about Martin Luther King and the fact yes, that he's the a socialist? Yes, the Martin Luther King quote real quick. is the last portion of the chapter. Yes, go ahead. So, no, it's just I love it when people quote him without realizing the broader context of how he wanted to fix racial inequality was basically. 50% driven by socialist policies. Yeah, the guy who absolutely was in favor of, you know, college admission um, uh, for, you know, or, or uh, uh, I'm blanking on the name. Of, affirmative uh, action? Affirmative action mean? in college admission and, you know, uh, financial assistance for African Americans. All these sorts of things and he was in favor socialism, of. socialism. Just broadly socialism. socialism yes. Like, against capitalism and its successes. Which... which does just make it ridiculous whenever Republicans try and quote him. Yeah. Like, you know that guy would be marching against you right now. Exactly. Like, literally you. You. Your face would be on a placard with a, with a cross <laughs> through it, being like, this guy, bad. Yes, but he tells us at the, towards the end of this chapter that it's not, it's not all that. It's not that Jesse Smollett did this that concerns him. It's that the liberal media world was more than willing to take Smollett at his word, despite the mountains of evidence to the contrary, which, again... At the beginning of this chapter, no, yeah. he admitted there was no evidence to the contrary when he himself was claiming it was fake. And I just it, it's just reflexive for them. Anything that is negative, it has to be fake. Look, mm. We look at every, sh- every time there's a mass shooting and the fucking right-wing Twitter sphere and Facebook go crazy posting fake shit about how this guy was Antifa or this person was fucking a liberal, whatever it was. And we know, just based off of the prototype the generic mass shooter, they skew heavily conservative. We know that, right? And we know, like, after the fact, you look at all these mass shooters in general, they were heavily conservative, right? The fucking Parkland shooter, huge Trump fan. He's on my list, but I couldn't put him down as particularly inspired by Trump because he didn't make any specific comments to that effect. But we don't know he was a huge Trump fan, right? Alison Bissonnette, the fucking Quebec Islamic Cultural Center killer who killed six, wounded 19 in 2017, mm. who searched social media sites 800 times for Trump in the month leading up to attack and told his friends how much he loved Trump. Yeah. You can't leave this shit out. Fucking James Fields, Heather Heyer's murderer, his entire reason for being in Charlottesville that day was to tramp around in MAGA gear fighting protesters. That's the entire reason he was there. Or you get down to... The fuck, the, look at shit that happened before Trump was in office. Look at the Charlotte shooting, the church shooting. Mm. It was 2011. Trump wasn't even on the scene yet, but you sure as shit know that if he had been, that guy would have been a goddamn Trump supporter. And we can't say that Trump inspired that guy because he did do it without any of Trump's influence. Although Trump was pushing the fucking birtherism shit at that time. Yeah. But we do know that he did it on his own without Trump. But you can bet sure as shit he would have included Trump in his motivation yeah. if Trump had been campaigning or the president at the time. This is the thing. So, so you you can say that Trump didn't create the conditions for a lot of this shit. He but amplified it. He amplifies it and he, he doesn't do anything to stop it. Or he actively encourages it by, by pushing the rhetoric that he pushes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like I said, you know, like I, I've, I'm down to the end of my list right now, right? I have a couple more, like Jeremy Christian, who stabbed two men to death in, uh, on the, the train in Portland. 
Mm. Who, who you know, were protecting the Muslim women he was harassing, who wrote on his social media, if Donald Trump is the next Hitler, then I'm joining the SS. Yeah, right? I have bad. a couple more, but like, I don't need any more on this list. It's so apparently obvious that there are hate crimes directly inspired by Donald Trump. I've listed about 30 of them so far during this episode. And the reason I did it is partially because I was so pissed off at the main thrust of this chapter. Yeah, it's in a bad In just chapter. denying reality. But the other part of it is because I do think we have a responsibility because we do this show. The entire purpose of it is to prove these wrong. And while I know our listeners don't need to hear the list, they know, they don't come to listen to our show if they aren't already, you know, fucking right-thinking people who have a head on their shoulders, know how to Google, are aware of what's going around or on around them in the world. But I feel like we do have a responsibility to do the fact-checking, to do the work, when we run up against arguments that are this backwards and this horrible, that we need to do what we can to put the right thing out there. And so that's why... I put out so many of these, and I think if I can, I don't know how many words I'm limited to in show notes, uh, <laughs> but I may just copy and paste my whole list into the show notes so that people want to look at them. They're there. They'll be there. You can see. You can look. You can Google these people's names and find them. You can find the arrest reports. These are, and the, again, like I said, all the ones I had for today, they were only people who had actually been arrested for these crimes. Because that way, nobody can look at these later and say, that was a hoax. You can't prove that. That was just somebody said something. No, these are all just the ones who have been arrested. And there are countless more where we don't know who did the attack. Mm. I didn't even get to the fucking Minnesota mosque bombing, which Sebastian Gorka, who was at the time still a member of the Trump administration, claimed was probably a hoax immediately after but which we now know was committed by two Trump-supporting militia members who wanted to get Muslims out of the U.S. I, I, I looked, that one had me for a while yeah. because so many people were calling it another fucking hoax shit because they wanted to say the Muslims were doing the bombing. But we know now it was what we thought it was. And there was a case where there was a church where a member of the church fucking burned it down and wrote Trump on the wall. Yeah. And that kind of shit does happen, but very rarely. And it fucking damages, it leads to shit like this book and this chapter where they're able to point to small examples that aren't representative of the whole mm. and claim that there are all hoaxes out there, that none of this shit is real. And that's all they need because none of their side is going to fact check this shit. Yeah. I can only hope that someday some Trump supporter stumbles across this show and makes it more than five minutes in. They won't, Kevin. You know that. Come on. I can hope, man. All right. I can hope. All right. So as we always do, we're at the end of the chapter. I will read the last paragraph in its entirety, which is, quote, So, Jesse, I'd like to personally thank you for bringing this all to light and for this indirect contribution to Trump 2020. Jesse, you're the best. And as it's been said, I hope you're not beating yourself up over it. In all caps, again. So it's like even just the most hackish writing. Like it really even, is. Just, I can't. I can't. Even it really is. It really is. Our next chapter is chapter 15. It is called Joe China. Do you think he thinks that rhymes with Biden? Like, it's not... I, <laughs> uh, no. I, it's like, I think China Joe would have been better. I, th I think that does roll off the tongue better, yes. Right? <laughs> but I, we, we know. I will say this again, just to be clear. I think he's a bad writer. <laughs> you, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. 
So, with that out of the way, we got the whole. We got two more chapters left no, to go, three, people. There's three more. There's three more. Three more. I thought we were sixteen chapters. Nope, seventeen chapters. Damn chapter it. Chapter seventeen is Trump. Okay, 2020. well the last the last one is just going through all the presumptive 2020 nominees from the Democratic Party. At no, the time. that's not the last one. That's not the last one. Well, the last one, of them one is, is the last one is Trump 2020. I think we might be able to combine two chapters together in there somewhere Probably. because that one, most of them are out of the race. It doesn't make sense to spend much time on it. Uh, the but, next the next one is only 10 pages, so we can maybe do the next two together. <laughs> okay. Well, as I mentioned, right, we're, we, we're, we're soon going to be uh, presumptively done with all the rebroadcasts of old shows. Um, if you want us to go on to back get back to a uh, uh, weekly show, have a new episode every single week, um, go over to Patreon, check it out, think about uh, becoming a patron, subscribing. We don't have a goal on there, I don't think. We might, we might not. I might have to change it after talking with Benedict about it to going back to a weekly show. But, you know, if you if you want something like that, if you like the show, the biggest thing you can do is sharing us on social media, telling your friends about us, letting everybody know, tell them to listen to the show. Uh, we love doing the show. We'd do it if we, even if we didn't have listeners because, you know, we have fun. Yeah, and I, I get like to torture Benedict with these. <laughs> oh, that was so nice of you. Yeah. That was so nice of you. Right? I'm a nice person sometimes. I'm but. cynical, but I'm nice. <laughs> Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you just can't get enough of us, remember, go over to patreon.com forward slash NYGBC. Become a patron for as little as $2 an episode. Patron-only episode, shout-outs on the show, drawings to win our copies of the books we read, and more. As always, we have to give a shout-out to our wonderful and amazing patrons. The fantastic Diogenes the Cynic was right. <laughs> Glaurung the Deceiver, Danielle, Big Easy Blasphemy, Stephen and Cindy Dimmick, A.J. Brantley, Becky Scott Fairley, Taro Tacannon, Emily Burke, and Skeptical Seventh. Thank you all, as always, for being our patrons. That's it for this week's show. Till next time, I'm the best there is at what I do. Goodbye. Goodbye. Podcast is a production of Kevin and Benedict Productions. Copyright 2020, all rights reserved. Music for this podcast is by Silverman Sound Studios. Find out more at silvermansound.com.